Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good whatever it is, wherever you are today. I'm Ali Amagasu, and you're listening to the latest episode of Cloud Unfiltered. Today we are having a special show because we're coming to you from Cisco Live down in San Diego. San Diego is absolutely living up to its reputation as a stunning city. It's, it's uh, truly a shame to be inside today, but uh, there's a lot of exciting uh, announcements and other things happening here at Cisco Live, so we trust it is worth the trade-off against the good weather. Uh, today I'm actually joined live by my beloved co-host, Pete Johnson. Hey, Pete. I know. We've never sat next to each other to do one of these before, we right? We haven't. This is going to be eerie this time. For those of you who don't know, this is usually a Google Hangout affair. We record it that way so we can see each other and then we extract the audio. And it also makes it convenient because then we can get elusive guests who are situated all over the world. And you can kick me under the table when I go down a direction you don't want me to. That's so right. That I like too. this. I like this a lot. Hey, today we're really excited because uh, in addition to being at Cisco Live, which is its own fun, uh, we are sitting here with a kind of guest we have never had before. It's a special kind of guest. It's a partner. Why in the two years that we've had this show have we never had a partner on? I cannot explain. But today we're breaking that trend for good. We are welcoming Jonathan King. John, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Ali and Pete. Jonathan works for Worldwide Technologies. He is vice president of... Technology and Services Strategy. I knew you'd come through with that. Thank you very much. So thanks for joining us today. Um, I think we have uh, an assortment of different questions for you, but but first off, how long, do you know how long WWT has worked with Cisco? Oh, it's uh, been for over two decades. It's a really unique partnership yeah. that spans all of Cisco's product portfolio that's grown through multiple generations of technology and involves a lot of relationships between the companies mm -hmm. and relationships across Cisco's ecosystem as well. So yeah. we are partner of Cisco's partners and just the customer focus that we have and the, the relationship between the two companies is uh, definitely a special one. You know, we are a cloud podcast and my, my assumption is that like Cisco, Cisco's had a difficult time, I would say, pivoting. It's taken us a while to pivot to the idea of selling cloud and to figure out what those sales motions look like and, and how you integrate it with our existing product line. And I imagine if you guys have been doing this for 20 years, you've got a pretty established set of processes, salespeople, customers. Has that been a challenge? Are you guys even selling our cloud technologies yet? Why don't we start there? Yeah, so we have been on a transformation uh, journey ourselves, like all of our customers, like all of our partners. And what started out as a public cloud, cloud first journey is now moved into a multi-cloud architecture journey. And, and I say that because the public cloud has grown to such a scale and such a pace of adoption. And the partner ecosystem has now moved to um, develop interfaces of APIs, interfaces of products that you now are looking at the whole end-to-end -end system as really table stakes. It's no longer about um, I'm doing public cloud uh, or private cloud. It's not even really I'm doing public cloud and private cloud. It's I'm doing multi-cloud. I'm doing an architecture that connects and just extends end to end. And as, as, the, as that moves to the center of design, it actually starts to position Cisco in a really strong way because the network becomes central. Um, the network in a multi-cloud architecture is critical. And other assets that Cisco has in app dynamics, where you start to look at 
you know, the application performance and how an application is running in the cloud, how it's running on-prem, how it's running in the cloud, when it used to run on-prem, all those types of things are, are of value. And I think there's uh, more work to do, but that the, the direction and the, the moves that Cisco is making, uh, like, like all partners and companies, you, you learn. This is a learning journey. I think there's work to be done also in the, the sales in arena, where folks have traditionally sold a CapEx-centered motion, and now you're moving to more of an OpEx-centered motion. And there's from one-time sales to recurring revenue sales. Those are you know, types of things that customers don't stop to ask about. But in terms of the, uh, how companies think and scale uh, cloud offerings, those are important considerations. It's interesting you talked about the bigger picture because that's naturally, that's how we see it as well. We see that it, the ecosystem is more important than the point solution we're coming with. And the network is the foundation of that ecosystem that you're building across those multiple clouds. So yay that you guys are thinking that way, but I assume that you sell products for many, many companies and you're going in trying to solve your customers' problems. Did they realize yet that Cisco's in the cloud game at all or do they still view us as routers and switches? So I think Cisco has relationships with its customers such that you know, you're a trusted partner and they take your perspective seriously, especially in and around the network, um, in the data center. I think the part that's emerging is the interface and the relationship with AWS, Azure, Google. What, what is the direction and, and relationship with those, with those partners? And that's something that not just Cisco, but all of our technology partners are in the process of establishing and iterating upon. Right, that makes sense. Yeah. Pete, I should let you get in here. So <laughs> yeah, I, I, let me double click on that, that emerging, on that emerging part of that. So I think what we're, what we're dancing around here just a little bit, right, is that the, the traditional Cisco channel partner, value-added reseller, typically is selling boxes based on feeds and speeds and those kinds of statistics to uh, IT part of an organization. But when you start to get into some of this public cloud stuff, the emerging part of that is, is moving up the stack is, okay, what problem are you actually trying to solve with this Hyperflex box or you know, whatever the piece of hardware might physically be? Now at WWT, you you took a pretty aggressive action a couple of years ago with the acquisition of Asynchrony, so that you would have the kind of people in your in your stable of engineers that you can deploy who can speak to layer seven application kinds of needs. So can you can you give us a little bit of insight as to what led up to that decision? And it's been a couple of years now. What kinds of benefits are you seeing? Uh, based on that new talent pool that you didn't have before. Yeah, absolutely. I'll answer that in two parts. First, I'll talk about asynchrony. It's been a big success for us. And then second, I'll talk about maybe a contrarian uh, perspective. Ooh. Okay. So first on asynchrony, we now refer to uh, our asynchrony team as WWT Application Services. Okay. So, and that's just about getting continued scale. We've more than, than doubled, tripled, you know, every metric around asynchrony since we acquired them. And they had a business of um, front-end user experience, agile transformation, digital strategy, and application development. That business grew in its own right. And that could be developing mobile apps, it could be developing front-ends for websites, it could be doing you know, the, the entire digital strategy for sure. a retailer. The, and that business is growing well, and there's, there's 
just more and more to do there. Your question connects to how does an underlier of most, if not all, digital strategies is the adoption of public cloud, so that you're getting the scale and the velocity and the feature set to meet, meet the needs of your application. So asynchrony was so focused on scaling its application business and doing so well, they had a group that was doing DevOps, infrastructure as code, and they did provide that sort of critical asset, but this is the contrarian part, okay. is that companies were looking at that deployment but they're saying, well, how do I build my network foundation? How do ah. I build my infrastructure foundation? So a lot of what we've done the past two years is asynchrony is cranking along, and we went on a journey of our own cloud transformation. And we looked at partnerships, we looked at acquisitions, and when I joined, I've been there two years, I saw this really good athlete in worldwide, the culture, the way it learns, the way it performs things that we decided to do everything organically and our mission was we want to build multiple boutique scale best-in-class AWS Azure Google and I'll talk about Equinix a little later capabilities at the infrastructure layer so mm -hmm. that they know AWS they know Azure they know Google and we wanted to take our uh, network engineers security engineers data center engineers and take them on a learning journey so that our CCIEs have an AWS certification or an Azure certification, so that our CCIEs now know networking from Cisco, but they also know native networking at AWS. Okay. They know what a VPC is, they know what a transit gateway is, they know what these things are, and they know what a Cisco corporate network is. That, coupled with asynchrony, is where we're starting, we're, we're just on a hockey stick now, because if you look at a logic experiment, so if you say, if you believe in multi-cloud, do you two believe in multi-cloud? Of course. Head yes, nods, we do. Right? Hands up. As this direction where it's going, right? Well, multi-cloud means, for our definition, it doesn't mean multiple public clouds. That's not how we think about multi-cloud. What we think about multi-cloud is an umbrella category of multiple public clouds, private cloud, and edge locations, the whole ball game. That's how we look at multi-cloud as an architecture. So if you believe that is the architecture, then logically, private cloud and discipline and excellence in quote private cloud in dedicated systems let's say mm -hmm. is 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 one of the olympic events of multi-cloud we are a gold medalist in that event with humility we're <laughs> best in class yeah so if we stand up and show up at a customer we know their WAN. we know we know their network we know their data center we know their security posture we know their regulatory posture we know all that and then we say, oh, well, we have AWS, we have Azure, we have Google capabilities. You could extend there with... We instantly show up in a better way than any boutique they're working with. And now we also differentiate from other born-in-the-cloud SIs who really don't know the WAN. They don't know the infrastructure like we know it. And any cloud, any cloud uh, project at this point, aside from like a departmental shadow IT thing, graduates to CIO, CTO, compliance, CFO, right. general counsel caring about, okay, what is my cloud foundation? What is my infrastructure? So a lot of where we're coming from is the infrastructure side, and then you come back to asynchrony and WWT application services, that gives us the ability to start to look at refactoring, to start to look at app dev, and we start to see a number a number of projects where we are doing the infrastructure and asynchrony is doing the 
new app, the app or on the factoring of, of the app. Yeah. And that's where you bring it together. Now, what's interesting to me about, about that is that the way that you put that is it parallels the way that our friends at DevNet position the kinds of people that they're targeting for their learning kinds of activities, right? They, they target application developers and they target the infrastructure automation people. Yep. And really what you're saying is asynchrony covers the app part of that and your yep. traditional CCIE who you're now getting AWS certified is helping you with the infrastructure part of that. Yeah. So I guess, so two part question. So are, are you seeing then that traditional CCIE who now knows how to put together a well-formed cloud formation template yep. and maybe also knows how to uh, write a script, a Python script against say the DNA center or the Meraki API to automate something on the private cloud end. Are, are you seeing that who level? Who also knows Route 53. Right. right? So, who, so are you who, seeing that? So are you seeing that mix is, yeah. is part one of the question. And then part two of the question, if I extend your Olympic analogy to be like this decathlon of certifications, are, are these the kinds of people that you see targeted for the certification, the, the DevNet certifications that got announced yesterday to try to combine this, you know, app, this codifying and CCIE kind of talent pool. Yeah, if you, I'll go to the customer. I wasn't at the DevNet launch, but a, a colleague was, and he was talking about it last night. The customers value someone who knows their current network. Yeah. And they're not, it's not like a, a customer is just going to stop. They have retail branches. They have you know, corporate offices, they have all these things that need a network and that network needs to be modernized and it's going to continue being modernized, right? Someone who understands that past, present, future, yeah. who also understands the significance of Transit Gateway, Route 53, these other primitives in the cloud and knows the trade-off of when you use it, when you don't, when it's a jump ball, all, all yeah. these things. And that, that's really the, the value that we, that we bring. And are you, so by extension, I guess, are you, in, and this is one where you might not feel comfortable answering, but so are, are you guys seeing better better margins based on those, that services advice that you're giving people, given that diverse skill set that your engineers has versus the traditional, you know, the, the traditional thing that VARs are selling is, is the hardware rack and stack it and then you're done. Whereas the services stuff, it's a longer engagement cycle, but the margins tend to be a lot better. Yeah, so just in, in with services, you have higher margin Yeah, uh, if you're doing it right. And uh, so the more that we grow services, the, the more margin we have uh, in aggregate. At the same time, the better services we have, the more volume we drive. In the hardware, in right? In the hardware. And when you get to enough volume in hardware, you can look at it differently and say, well, get into measuring percentages. And then you just step back and look at the actual numbers. Yeah. The, there's, there's a very strong business there. And also, there's a third leg of the stool that starts to grow, which is the resale integration of ongoing revenue. So moving from a product one-time sale, right. adding services, subscription, and then moving to subscription, yeah. you're in a, you, you have no position to hold on to a sustainable subscription business unless you have a services business. Interesting. So it, 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 what you're seeing is it creates this, this kind of symbiotic relationship between the, the, two, the two pillars and creates this third pillar for you where Absolutely. you've got the subscription revenue. Absolutely. Well, now, let me ask you about that because we've done – Chuck talks a lot in the keynotes 
about how we've made this turn from doing one-time hardware sale and the networking gear to now we're selling network gear via subscription, right? And we're doing that with physical goods that you're delivering into a private data center. I don't know if you saw the Dell announcement a couple of weeks ago that they did hand-in-hand with VMware. And from what I read, and I, I didn't find an article as deep as I would like, it sounds like they're trying to do something similar but with the compute stack as opposed to the network stuff. So yeah. we still tend to sell things like Hyperflex or UCS as one-time sale. Do you see Do you see some benefit longer term in trying to mimic what we've done with the network subscriptions into compute as well? Or, is that, or are those two things different enough animals that it doesn't make sense? No, I, I think that that is a constant area of innovation, confusion, competition. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it's the envelope, really. It's one of the key envelopes where, uh, and it's been going on for a while. People tend to forget about it. But if you go, if you wind back to looking at Azure Stack as it sits today, yeah. right? It's on its fourth or fifth generation, depending upon how you count it. If you look at VMware, you had the vCloud hybrid service, you had vCloud Air. Now you have VMC on AWS, you have the Azure solution they announced, and then the Dell collaboration. The Dell thing from a couple of weeks and, ago. Yeah. And there's a, in my past I used to make, sorry for another analogy, but I used to, you know, there's a private plane and there's Southwest, right? right. And people want a private plane at Southwest prices. And the trick is, okay, there's times where you can do that and there's times where you can't. The offerings that Cisco's bringing forward, and I look at like the collaboration we have with Equinox, and we've made a bunch of announcements here. When you have a co-location tenant and everything is standardized, normalized in right. that co-location environment, having a recurring revenue fixed asset model, right, where I can say, I, I buy this router, I buy this firewall, or I buy this software, even better, right? Firewall, router, CSR, that, it lends itself to a Southwest-type environment, right? If I'm going behind a firewall, you're the only customer. You're, I have to do a whole bunch of customization. Almost always, it's a financial transaction that involves leasing, that involves, you're, you're starting, it's starting to move towards that private jet, no matter what you do. Yeah. Unless you're losing money. Like, so, there's, it's, it's the operating model, the control points that you have, and how you make it extensible. Well, the other thing I like about that analogy for you is Southwest only flies 737s for a reason, right? That's part of that's part pa- of their secret. Part of their secret is that they they only they're only buying one kind of part. They're not they're not buying you know right. Canada Air jet parts, right? They're only buying 737. So it's the same kind of thing where you you see that model potentially working in places where you can sort of control what the standard footprint looks like in the, in the same way that they control the standard footprint by only buying the one There's company. like a critical mass of control. Yeah. You need to have a, 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 an enough control where you can get recurring, you can get returns on investment yeah. and standardization and oper- operationalization. Now the thing that's interesting is that the, the support models of the technology companies are giving them a kind of standard control plane for these things. Uh-huh. So that, that's, a, that's a delivery vehicle, and, and Dell and Cisco are similar in that, that evolution. 
Cool, cool. Well, let's, let's pull back a little bit and, and let me ask you, you, you talked about multi-cloud and, and some of this hybrid cloud stuff. What are you seeing in terms of that kind of adoption in multi-cloud and, and hybrid cloud? Is it everybody wants it, but not everybody has it yet? What are some of the things that people are tripping over when they're trying to do that? And, and how is it that WWT is helping them do that? So what, what we see is what we think about as a cloud services strategy. So if you think about uh, back to the builds on the discussion we just had, where companies historically had bought their gear, paid their employees, built their environments, that was that is the model. And it's going to continue to be a model. The new model now, though, is you're, you're running your cloud on and consuming services. So that means that things start to change. So you used to have someone who focused and I've run large environments in the past. You know, I used to wake up every morning and look at a capacity utilization report. Yeah. Right? And any, especially VM environment, but any environment, it's like you don't want a bank run. You don't want, because then bad things happen. It's hard to recover from. You might have you know, bad situations. You, you go anywhere from bad performance to outages to even... Somebody gets fired. Data loss and yeah. bad things, right? Well, in public cloud, there's no more capacity. Like the capacity piece is off. So what replaces it? Cost optimization, Cost optimization yeah. right? And you look at, there's all these changes that some are obvious, some are not. So we look at as a cloud services strategy, as a portfolio of almost like a maturity model of areas that companies who are on a cloud journey need to think about. They need to have a proper cloud foundation. They need to have a, a proper governance model and cost optimization. They need to have a, a security model. They need to have an application strategy. There's these components. And what we see from customers is some, and, and I'm, I meet with a lot of customers, um, some are just beginning the journey, and they're nowhere near as far along as maybe the market or others think they are. Others are far along, but are looking to optimize. They've gotten out of the skis on cost. They've, they are having network performance issues. They haven't, they have a a campus branch network and now they've put a bunch in the cloud and now you have network tromboning going on and all kinds of bad outcomes. And what we can work with the entire continuum. We work with customers who are just beginning their journey in earnest and we're putting together a foundation and a strategy so that they set up their accounts in the right way. They go on the journey and have security model, cost model, they have a profile of their workloads and how to move them and we help them move them to someone who's already in. Maybe they want to move from one public cloud to another. Maybe they want to set up a data architecture at you know, a place like Equinix such that they can take best of breed um, right. from multiple clouds. So it's a, it's, it's, it's a whole gamut, but I, I wouldn't say that any customer is like, we're done, we're good. We're just, you know, it's all, right. it's all you know, we have, a, we have our own homegrown AI that's running everything and it even serves me coffee. Like, I'm just done. Like, no, we don't have, I don't know of those customers. <sighs> The part where you said that you used to get that utilization report, because I, I certainly had that job too, and it it went from worrying about capacity to worrying about costs. Yep. And and what comes with that is a whole host of, of other things. Um that that's that's interesting. Cause I so in two thousand nine I was HP.com chief architect and we were redoing we were refreshing what our web front end was gonna be like in every country. Yep. And I knew that it was things like when the marketing team buys the first TV ad that airs after the men's 100 meters at the Olympics, the spike in traffic that you get for that is yeah. enormous. Right. And in that job, the thing that you fear 
is running out of capacity and getting fired for not ordering enough hardware. So I ordered twice as much hardware as I thought I needed because you don't get fired for ordering order too for much peak. hardware, right? right? But right. you order for peak. But now, you know, if you fast forward 10 years later, if, if you have that same job today, you don't get fired for running out of utilization, but you might get fired for having a $3 million AWS bill on right. a peak month, right? Or if if you set up a, you know, unsecured S3 bucket. Yes. Or if you don't have the proper automation and setup and bad things happen. They're like just they're different, different ways. Pro- yeah, there's different problems fail, now. Yeah. And the organization has to start to you know, it's a very similar to what we're doing. Your CCIEs have to become AWS certified, right? The same thing is there's a transformation to go on with companies. Right. And it's 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 people, process, and technology. And the people and process, we talk so much about the technology, the people process side is is a big, big part of the equation. Right. Well, let me ask you one more technical question before I turn things back to, to Ali then. So we talked about multi-cloud, we talked about how the problems are now different than you still have them, but they're, they're just different in, than what you would see in the older traditional model. But let's talk about specific technologies. What are you seeing in terms of uh, things like Kubernetes penetration in your account? And how big a deal has serverless become in, in any of your accounts? What are people talking about in either of those two places? So I think uh, Kubernetes is a big deal. Um, and serverless is the next big deal. Like it's not, it's not there yet. It, but um, definitely of, of interest and you see functions come up. But from, from a Kubernetes standpoint, the way I look at it is you, you still think about the public cloud you're going to use. Now you're thinking about the Kubernetes distribution you're going right. to use. It's almost like an, a, another kind of thing you're thinking about. Right, now. just like you used to worry about what Linux distribution you were going to use and now you right. almost never think about that. In and you're you're down to the patterns we see is Red Hat, OpenShift, PKS, and Google Anthos. Like that's that's where the conversation is right now. Right. Is around those three. And then the other thing that's interesting about Kubernetes is that all, and this was unexpected. I love when things like this happen, right? So um, I've, been in, I've been on the container journey for, a while. So I was at Joyent in 2010, 11. We were working on Node.js and we were working on containers before, you know, because it was all Solaris. Like right. it was, you know, it was like, oh yeah, there's, it was, it's almost like retreading an old construct. Yeah. Um, but for all the benefits of it, right? Pair virtualization and the kinds of performance you get. And then Cloud Foundry and Node.js is a first class citizen in Cloud Foundry. Then I was at Ericsson, and Ericsson was an investor in AppSera, which was like a precursor to Kubernetes. Yeah. And then there's Kubernetes. And then when I was at CenturyLink, we were doing, you know, 2013, 14 work with Kubernetes. You just watch it happen. So people are like, oh, Kubernetes is so new. Well, first of all, it, Google has right. run it for, you know, Borg years, and everything. Right. They've run it for over 10 years. And now it's been out in the market. So you, you are reaching, I mean, you look at the motivator for IBM to acquire Red Hat, one of the key motivators was this this area, and the but you will still get a slack jawed look to from many of the people on this very you will. floor yeah. if you say if you mention something about Kubernetes, you know a lot of them will just look at you with either slack jaw or total horror. Well, and I, I think that's why I compare it to the public cloud. I don't think anyone here would question that public cloud is happening, right? I think right. there's so I feel like 
Kubernetes is is right behind that. Like it's 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 an architectural realization, and in some ways they're not wrong. Like a lot of the projects that we see with customers, um, and there's there's stats out there. If you go to um, CNCF, they do they do studies and they show the number of containers that are going. Yeah. The one that's interesting to watch is the number of containers that are running in VMs, and still a surprising number of uh, of, of containers are, are, are Kubernetes are. They're on VMs. They're, it's Kubernetes orchestrating containers running on VMs. Yeah. And so you're like, well, wow, what's that about, right? And a lot of it's because you have people experimenting, people using, people wanting to get there, but they just haven't they haven't gotten there. And really, it's new projects. So it's a lot like cloud. Cloud started with new projects happening, born in the cloud, right? Now you have new projects born in a Kubernetes orchestrated architecture, and you have a lot of innovation happening around it where um, is it a managed Kubernetes distribution? So I'm not going to buy it. I'm actually going to buy a managed Kubernetes distribution. Right. And that's where Google's taking the discussion. But that's also where you know VMware, Red Hat, they're there also, right? There's like a show. I don't. Could it even generation hop? Where it's not. You're not going to go through this period where people build their own. They're certainly not going to you know develop their own. Some people will run their own distribution from community. But a lot of people, a lot of customers, they, that's not their business. They just want to buy support. But one step up from support is, I'm going to run it as a service. I'm going to get patching. I'm actually going to, not only am I going to pick a distribution, I'm going to have that distribution patch as a service from the provider I'm getting the distribution right, from. Right, so you don't have to worry about that stuff anymore. And yep. Now, I... So this is the third year in a row that um, Monday I gave a serverless 101 talk. Here oh, at I would wish Live. I could have seen that. Out, well, I'm doing serverless 201 Wednesday? on Wednesday. I got the death oh. slot five o'clock on Wednesday yeah, when bad. people will be heading over to Petco Park. But still, I'm trying. Yeah. One of the things I do in my 101 talk is I say serverless 2019 is about where cloud was in 2011. I and couldn't some, agree more. And sometimes I feel like that maybe even aggressive. So if we yeah. take that analogy. Kubernetes 2019 is cloud what? 2014. 2014? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, if not wow. 15. Yeah. And, but, it, and then you look at it just where it's going to arc and where it's going to go. Right. And I base that on production workloads. Like just, it's, because what I think there's, the, it, it's going to get more and more interesting as, you know, now with Istio and Service Mesh and the network people here next year and pretty quickly. I mean, you look at Kubicon, the growth of that. Yeah. It's, so, it, I mean, it's been sold out the past two or three times, and it's a whole cast of people that are there. It's not just, I mean, it's becoming, there's so much energy around there it. There is a lot of energy around yeah. it. Although, in your, in your technology jump analogy you made a minute ago, right, just like a third world country that never had landlines and go straight to cell phone towers, yeah. I, I think there's a generation of developers that will never write a Docker file and they'll go yeah. straight from VMs to serverless. Yeah. I think that the pace of 5G rollout, the pace of AR, the pace of VR, those are the pace of IoT is related to this. Yeah, I agree. Right? Cuz cuz the serverless it's it's not just about the technology. It's like what is the technology being used for? And and the whole function architecture there's you are that, that is the architecture for IoT, like period. Like it, it's yeah. so powerful and but yet the the use cases that we have are, we're still not there. We're still not quite well. I I have a buddy, I don't think I'm telling turns too far out of school. I I have a buddy working on a um function as a service runtime on iOS devices for that exact yeah right so if you can you, if you could have that serverless form factor but 
on every IOX device that Cisco makes, yeah. then yeah, then then you start to approach that IoT use case yeah. pretty nicely. Yeah, no, I think it's I I don't I agree with your thought. I mean, that's one to watch. Cool. One to watch. Pete, I feel like you're um, the the pastor dragging everybody to church on Sunday when it comes to serverless. <laughs> I, 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 no, I, I am very proud of you for hanging in there. You're, um, for those of you who are at Cisco Live and hear this before Wednesday, go to his serverless 201 talk. You will be the smartest kid in the room when you go back to work because Pete is ahead of the curve on this and serverless is definitely what's next. And uh, I, I believe that you said you more than doubled your attendance to your serverless yeah, 101 Yeah, I had talk, 20 right? people at that session last year. I had 81 yesterday. There oh, we yeah. go. I 4X. couldn't believe how many people, sh- uh, you know, and that's one of those things where if you're that far out in front of the crowd, you think nobody's listening. You think, ah, oh, man, do I, should, I even, should I even do this again next year? And yeah. then 80 people showed up. I couldn't believe it. That's cool. At a networking show. I, I know. Mean, really, it's not like you're doing it at KubeCon. No. You're doing it here. No, it's not. Like well, and it's such, a, it's such a game changer of... It's such a concept to get your head around. Like once you see it and understand it, it's very interesting. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I I, I think it's as big a shift as when Microsoft went from DOS to Windows because it was it went from everything was transactional to everything was event driven, which is why yeah. I like that analogy. Well, but it's also at a GUI level, yes. so it just it engages the brain in different ways. In like it's a higher ways. order abstraction, and that's that, that that's the kind of jump that that yeah. it makes. It's. I've ta- I've called it the death of the server demon before, and you know those those kinds of things. It's it's that different. Well, so yeah, if you happen to be here, I'm going to cover some of the one-on-one content when I do the two-on-one session. And I yesterday re-upped the one-on-one session to do in uh, Cisco Live Cancun and uh, Barcelona and uh, Vegas next year at Cisco Live US. Nice, nice. So be sure to catch it. Yeah, I feel like that's uh, impressive content. I mean, didn't well, didn't we have a guest last week who was talking about serverless and how he had gotten costs on just one specific little project down from sixty dollars a month versus as far as resource usage to nine nine cents. That that was that was me. Oh, that was you. <laughs> You're yeah. not a guest. It was when it was when we You're had Nick. It was guess. when we had Nick on okay. from the serverless framework. And yeah, I talked about my side project yeah. that I did for my movies analytics site. And yeah, that's, that's I, I was I was supporting five thousand users on less than two bucks a month, not per user total. Yeah, and it was all it was all S three egress costs. Well, I mean, it, if you on, even on a that's an even bigger scale than I mentioned Node.js earlier when we were rolling that out, it was all web front ends. Yeah. So you looked at just oh, I can go from two hundred servers to four. You're like, how is that possible? Yeah. And you're like, server-side JavaScript. And like, get better availability and, yeah. Right. It's that kind. And that functions is even a bigger uh, step function change, potentially. Yeah. Very interesting. Although, I, I, the one thing I have to drop is Joyant RIP. I know. Like, that announced Friday. Yeah, oh. I, was, I was just emailing some friends today about that. Yeah. yeah. That's a bummer. It was a... It was a great company yeah just a blast to be and there. they had the best website when i used to work at metacloud we were uh trying to figure out how we were going to redo our website we were a tiny little stealthy startup at the time and joint was our was our best mm, in yeah. case we were What's like we love that doing? website yeah yeah we love that website yeah it was fun so we've talked a lot about what companies are actually using technology-wise, what's kind of out ahead of them technology-wise. But when you're dealing with us and all the other companies out there, is there something that you go, I wish they would do this. I wish they'd come up with this. I feel like there's a gap. Or is that not the case? Is it generally you're waiting on the customers to catch up and, and adopt the technology? Are you talking about Cisco or just general technology? Or Could be Cisco. Could be anybody. But yeah, Cisco. Let's say Cisco. I think uh, in, the case of, in the case of Cisco looking at 
how, and this is true of a lot of different technology partners, is what is what is your multi-cloud strategy like really? And and where where is it going? How is the pace of iteration? How is the API integration? What's the commercial model integration? That is the area that right now is being sorted out and it is a very important uh, competitive arena. You now I can look at back in a previous era when MPLS was being integrated into um, into public clouds. Mm -hmm. And um, I was at CenturyLink at the time. And what we saw, and it happened very quickly, was that the ability of an MPLS to integrate natively with a public cloud in an automated, seamless way became a key decision criteria for selling MPLS. Mm. Like it just, and it happened inside of six months. It was just, it just tipped. All of a sudden, that was the that key was factor. It, because it was a, such a differentiator. Verizon leaned way in. Secure Cloud Interconnect, my friend Sean Hockle, he leaned way in and started, he was sort of out there and then everyone was, had to follow. And there's such huge customer benefit from that. It's the same kind of thing where there's a fitness test that's happening where you don't have to have it all figured out, but you have to have, there has to be a belief that what you're doing is viable, that it's gonna continue to iterate that, like, and that's the hard part. Um, and that's that's the area that I think Cisco's making good moves, but you're in, that's the it's being that's the area of competition. So when you have like Dell doing what it's doing and the others doing like that is it's I guess it's the MPLS analogy is very much what we see with customers. It needs to be coherent. It needs to be you need to understand the direction we're going. Yes. Yeah. What about Cisco Container Platform? Has there have you guys had any traction with that yet? I know that we had a, an engineer that works on the project uh, on last week. And it was really surprising to me that she said that most of the traction they're seeing is with, uh, or 60% of the customers so far are using it for AI and ML. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that we've had, that would be, we would agree with the interest there. I think a lot of um, what we've seen is folks looking at the, it's back to that, what's the fitness for the long term and what distribution am I going to bet on? And I think that um, I was encouraged to see uh, Cisco and Google on stage at Google Next uh, yep. with Dave Geckler up and really right in the middle of that. And then, you know, that's not the only, you know, Cisco has partnerships with everyone. But I think that the pace of innovation and being close to that and looking at an integrated architecture and really one of the gating points on the value points for CCP for the collaboration with Google is that the network is a control point. And so it's not just, oh, we, we yes, hyper-converged offering, awesome, it's integrated there, but it's also Nexus integration, ACI, the whole tetration, it brings together the broader portfolio. And uh, I think that's, we don't just look at CCP, we look at, it's back to that, we look at the overall integration and how do we help customers with that. Well, I think that's how Google looks at it too, and Amazon, I don't think they're being friends with us because they like us, they're being friends with us because we bring the network part to the table. Right, well, and, and part of those things at Next is people don't realize, we've made three million lines of code submitted to Kubeflow, and it's yeah. all around, it's all around the, the prep of the data. We found a little niche there. So there's, there's actually a really good Kubeflow yeah. on CCP on top of HX, GPU kind of story that you can tell there Absolutely. for an AI ML. And you've cases. been at it for a while. Yeah, I mean, yeah. With, you don't do three million in a month, But this right? is an it's, example, right, where Cisco could stand up on stage and say, we've been working with Google on this for a year and a half. Yeah. 
true statement. And even before that, you had Mantle. You had all these other yep. things that you were working Ooh, on. Ooh, Mantle reference. I know. That right? was deep. I don't think we've... That. It's been a while since we had a guest make a Mantle reference. It's my friend nice. Ken Owens. Yeah. He's working oh, on that. Oh, I love Ken Owens. Ken's a great guy. And uh, we worked together at Savage CenturyLink. And uh, so that's the kind of thing. It's not... We have the answer. It's more... We have the trajectory. We have the velocity. We have the mistakes. We have the relationships. That's what... Yeah, I think customers want to know about. Yeah, my final question for you is: um, were you, is is based on all the athletic analogies I've heard throughout this? <laughs> yeah, the company is athletic, and there's a decathlon. Were you a track star at some point? No, what is no, your, what I is just, your past? No, I drive people crazy with my uh, my analogies. I um, find that they help. You have to be careful with them because they can only go so far. But they help frame things. So I don't know. I must have. I, I didn't. I was. I had big plans to run this morning, and then uh, and then I slept in, and then I had big plans to walk in because I'm staying a mile and a half away, and then I encountered a lime scooter uh, <laughs> right at my corner, and then oh. I, all plans went out the window. So I re- I don't know. I sh- maybe I shouldn't. Maybe it's because I didn't work out that I'm using athletic uh, analogies. But I, I I rode a lime scooter in, which was. Had you done that before? I I have my uh, younger daughter is a big scooter fan, so we'll we'll. Will scoot around, but they this, are clearly prevalent here. I mean, oh, they're, oh, they're everywhere. They yeah. are everywhere, and that's actually it's good because they're everywhere. You can rely on using them. So yeah. I think, uh, yeah, it was really easy. Well, one of the nice things about this convention center, though, from a fitness perspective, is because there's the main show floor and then there's the sales pavilion upstairs. Oh, you do a lot. You of have to go back. I I yeah. logged seven miles yesterday. Yeah, I don't yeah. know about you two, nice. but it was yeah. yeah. Nice. So, I didn't have my yeah. fitness tracker on. I blew it. I don't have it on today either. Yeah, there's a lot of walking here. Yeah, have you guys se- gone down and seen the USS Midway? No, no but that's awesome too. I've you done need, it before. You need to, yeah. It's uh, I, I didn't go on it, but I I, I walked by it yesterday. And that was pretty, pretty pretty amazing. Yeah, pretty amazing. Great. Well, I'm yeah. glad to know you're a runner. I'm a runner too, yeah. but I'm out on Coronado Island, which actually Ooh. is just stunning. It's got this long bike and running path. I mean, you can you can easily do you know six miles out, six miles back, and not come anywhere near this convention center. Is like the San Diego Convention Bureau sponsoring this podcast that I'm unaware of? They might be. I'm sorry. I'm just dazzled by San Diego. So it is wonderful. That's it for me. If that's it for you. No, I'm good. Yeah. Thanks so much for spending the time, Jonathan. Thank you all. Great discussion. We appreciate it. Thank you for blazing the trail as the first partner on the show. It was very brave of you. Thank you. (laughs) All right. Have a great rest of your show. Really great.